Welcome to Christ Church Anglican. We hope that you are blessed by today's sermon. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and the overseer of your souls. We are to live as foreigners here with reverent fear. We are to live as foreigners here with reverent fear. This goes back earlier in Peter's uh, writings in First uh, Peter uh, chapter 17. We live with our eyes always fixed on Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2, uh, this, is, this is what it says to us, and we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. And why do we do this? Why do we fix our eyes on Jesus instead of uh, living in this world uh, as, we, as, as citizens of this world? Why are we fixing our eyes on Jesus? Because we were bought with the precious blood of Jesus. Just as I was reading, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So the idea that we would die to sin is, uh, we, we see that later in, in the following readings, which, which I'll get into in a minute. So many things can distract us from our hope in God. So many things can distract us, especially right now with COVID-19, the, the isolation, the unemployment, uh, economic downfall, uh, shortages in food and resources. All these things can be very discouraging to us, and it's easy for us to take our eyes off Jesus, to take our eyes off our hope in God. So all these things around us can be distracting us from the one who redeemed us through his blood. So in response to this, I want to remind us of what Jesus Christ says. He says, I have told you these things, referring to all the things he was telling his disciples uh, before all this. So he's saying, I have told you these things so that, you, that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus Christ is our only source of true peace. In this world we're going to have trouble. Right now there are so many things that are troubling us. With, with all of the issues that I just said, um, it's easy for us to lose hope and to lose confidence. But the Apostle Paul reminds us, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. So a lot of people like that last verse, um, Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. People will put it on their lockers and their cars. And, but, the, but we need to understand the context of this verse. The context of this verse is that we can have contentment in all things. We can endure all things. Because as we are able to look to Christ, as we are able to look to the secret of contentment in all things, we are able to have the peace that passes all understanding. So this idea of contentment, right? So in our life, we have 
all kinds of things that we can rely on for our contentment. And it's easy, especially with uh, all the time we're being told that we can buy this or we can have these things if we have the right house or the right things or the right material possessions, or even if we have the right relationships, or even if we have the right confidence in ourselves, we can have contentment. If, if we have the things of this world, we can have contentment. But this is contrary to the gospel. This is contrary to what Christ teaches. And this is, uh, this is not what Paul teaches. What Paul teaches is that all of our contentment rests in Christ. And if you look at Paul's ministry, as he's going throughout his uh, missionary journeys, there's times when he has plenty. There's times when the, the uh, disciples, wherever he's going, the churches, they're taking care of him. There's also times when he has nothing. But in all these things, he is able to have contentment. In Romans 14, 8 through 9, uh, the Apostle Paul, he drives this home for us. He says, If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or we die, we belong to the Lord. For this is the very reason Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. So whether we live or whether we die, we belong to Christ. And so whatever we do in this life, whatever this life is for us, right? Whatever we, um, we want to accomplish, whatever we're trying to do, we should do it all for Christ. And we can have contentment in Christ knowing that we are fulfilling his call for us if we do what he's called us to do. If Christ is truly our unshifting source of hope and peace, then we, we cannot help but tell others about this. If we truly believe that he is the source of all contentment and of all peace and of all joy, right, we cannot help but tell other people about this. And this is where uh, we, we, sometimes we get so distracted in the gospel about the miracles, right? We get so focused on the miracles and the people in the Bible do the same thing. They ask Jesus, show us these miracles, right? So we look at the, the stilling of the storm. We look at the casting out of the demons. We look at the multiplying of the bread, we look at all these amazing, amazing miracles. But the most amazing miracle in the gospel is that when Jesus says, follow me, the disciples drop their nets. And the people that, uh, that he calls to follow him, they drop whatever they're doing and follow him. The most amazing miracle in the gospel is that people come to Christ in faith and they repent of their sins. That is the most amazing miracle in the gospel. And so this leads us on to uh, the book of Acts. And this is what our reading is for today from Acts chapter 2, uh, starting with uh, verse 14, where Peter is, is proclaiming to the people this good news that he has discovered. He's, he's discovered through these three years of ministry, through the resurrection of Christ, and now the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the one who died on the cross for the sins of the world and that by believing in him, we can be saved. That, rep that if we repent and are baptized, we will be saved. And that is what Peter is preaching to these, these uh, people that are listening to him. And so this is, what, this is where I, um, I want to drive home that the importance of the gospel is the fact that we are preaching this good news. So these disciples are average men, but as they relied on the Holy Spirit, as they relied on the gospel, they drew 
thousands and thousands of people into the church, the Holy Spirit working through them. So what happens when Peter courageously preaches the gospel? He, he courageously preaches to them. He, he, he stands up and he says, um, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. He sa- and then he says, For the promise is for you and for, or verse 36, um, Let all the house of Israel therefore know, for certain that God has made him known, uh, him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Uh, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? So they were cut to the heart because they understood. They were hearing this promised Messiah that Israel had been waiting for, this promised Messiah that they had been waiting for, they put to death. As they, they sentenced him to death and they, he was executed by the Roman soldiers, this promised Messiah died for their sins. And as they realize this, they're cut to the heart. And this same gospel should cut us to the heart and it should drive us to repentance. And so they come to Peter uh, and, and they hear, as they hear this, they come to Peter and they ask, what shall we do with this news, with this news that I hear? I know that I need to respond. The gospel drives us to respond. And so they are baptized, and they are baptized for the forgiveness of their sins, and the Holy Spirit washes over them. They are cleansed, they are forgiven, and they come into the body of Christ. 3,000 people are added to the church in Jerusalem. I don't know what we would do here if we had 3,000 people added to our church. I think that would be pretty amazing and terrifying at the same time. And I can tell you what the apostles did. The apostles, they appointed deacons and they sent them out and they took care of the families and they they got them resources and they started to teach. And so that's where I I come into the next next point of this sermon is verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So this, uh, these four things give us a foundation for ministry today. These four things are not just for the uh, church in Jerusalem. They're not just for, uh, they are for the church of all time. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So after this COVID thing is done, uh, and we're finally gathering together in church, uh, we, my hope is that we're not just welcoming you back, which I miss you and I'm so excited for you to come back and be part of our regular worship here at the church. But I would love to see other people come in. And I think COVID, is, it's easy for us to kind of have these, uh, these reactions, right? So we're reacting to this, reacting to that. We can't meet anymore, so we're trying to do these things. We're trying to do that. And we're trying to come up with new ministry ideas and ways of reaching everyone and, and supporting everyone and caring for everyone during this time uh, because we can't meet together like we usually would. Well, it's important for us to plan ahead. And so my thoughts are right now, as I'm looking ahead, as I am hopeful and I am praying that when we all gather together, we're also going to be reaching people that are asking hard questions right now, hard spiritual questions. If we know anything about hard times um, throughout history, they make people ask spiritual questions. What am I here for? Like, 
what, what am I doing with this life? Who is God and what, he is, what has he created me for if he's created me at all? A lot of people are asking about those questions right now. They want to know. And my hope is that we can reach them right now, even with our social media and our, our uh, videos and everything that we're doing. And that as we bring them in, we are devoting them to teaching. So we're teaching them the Word of God. We're teaching them uh, through Bible studies. We're teaching them through small groups and all these things. So they're able to come in and be taught. And they're getting this pure spiritual milk of the gospel. So they're learning about Jesus Christ first. And, and the simple truth of the gospel is this, that Jesus lived a sinless life and that he died on the cross for the sins of the world and that on the third day he rose again. And so that is the first thing that they need to learn. And so we need to be a teaching church where they can come and they can receive that as they come into our church. The next thing is fellowship. Having small groups, having the community that so many people are hungry for. I mean, we're in a pandemic of uh, the virus right now, but we have been for like decades in a pandemic of loneliness and of people not having the community and the support that they need, the discipling, the mentoring that they need. Let us be a church that is a fellowship for them, to support them and to care for them as they come into our church. The next thing is the breaking of bread and the prayers. I looked at a lot of commentaries. This is actually a passage I did for my Greek exegesis in seminary, and all the commentaries point to this as actually being uh, worship. So they're not just breaking bread in households. That's actually, it's later in the passage you see that they're going from house to house breaking bread. But this is breaking bread and the prayers. And uh, from the commentaries I read and from my own research, I believe this is, this is Holy Communion. And so we're bringing them in to worship. They're receiving Holy Communion. And they're also receiving the prayers. And the, these prayers would have been common for the Jewish people. Uh, they would have had prayers in synagogue. They would have had prayers in temple. And it's very similar, not unlike what we do as Anglicans. They come into our worship. They hear our prayers. They learn our prayers. And so we have a worshiping community receiving the sacraments, learning to pray, learning the Word of God, having the fellowship and the community that we all need. And so my hope is that as we are in the midst of this, we're not just focusing on COVID. We're not just focusing on the difficulties that we're in, but we're planning for the future and we're praying for the future and we're praying that God would use us to reach people now, but to prime everyone's hearts to bring them into the church. So I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, and I pray that you would move, um, that you would be moved to, uh, to accomplish this. Amen. Thanks for tuning in. For more information, feel free to visit us online at ccanglican.com. We hope you will join us again soon.